0: Way out of here! Oh man. This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast.
1: This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, June twentieth, two thousand twenty-two, and today will be better than yesterday. Happy Juneteenth! Producing from his home studio in his new home in the foothills of Connecticut, his jealous Gumbuster only working from my home in New York. Uh, I bounced back here uh, from Houston on a flight. I you know, got a chance to talk with Sarah Langs earlier. Uh, you'll hear that in a little bit. And we've got all kinds of injury news to process with big, big stars. Mookie Betts, Anthony Rendon, Jose Ramirez, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez had to come out of the game on Saturday night in Houston and was not in the lineup for the Sunday night game between the Astros and the White Sox last night. But the guy who was uh, put in the lineup in his place – did some damage.
2: Maticevic lifts that one of the year. That one left field. That one back and it's gone. JJ Maticevic. First big league hit and it leaves the park into the Crawford box seats. And it's 2 0. So, with
1: that home run, a kind of a cool moment a fan, a 16 year old fan, sitting out in the Crawford box is scrambled and got the baseball. And that set off negotiations between Astro staffers and the kid because that was his first career home run. More about that later in the podcast. The Astros
2: added their lead in the bottom of the fifth. The 3-2 is hit. The air left field. That one way back. And you can't forget it. Out of here. Left field. Mauricio Dubon will touch them all.
1: Buchamba on ESPN Radio with that call. The White Sox would rally, but in the end, it wouldn't be
2: enough. Here was the final call: swing and a ball drilled in the air to center. This should do it. Out there, McCormick, he's got it, and that's the ball game. Astros hang on to win it, four-three, the final score, and the Astros take two of three from the White
1: Sox. But there is good news for the White Sox. Tim Anderson is expected to be back in their lineup on Monday. Tony La told us that in the dugout before the game. A star infielder went down for the Padres in their 8-3 loss to Colorado on Sunday. Give a listen to this. 2-1, little tapper
2: back towards the mound. Senzatella on the grass has got it. Lobs a throw to first base. And in time... Crone, the first baseman, had to kind of step into foul ground to field it.
1: And Manny, I think, hit the bag awkwardly. And he is now holding his left ankle, writhing in pain in foul territory beyond first base. Yeah, he was lying on the ground. He was helped off the field. And he was diagnosed with a bad sprain. He's going to be out weeks. That sound, by the way, from 97.3, the fan. The Angels and the Mariners. And while we've all been talking about Aaron Judge hitting home runs, you know what? Mike
2: Trout isn't far behind. Gilbert has a new baseball, delivers, and Trout swings at that one, and he drives a ball that's hit well out into center field, and it's Trout here! He's done it again! He's burned them again
1: at T-Mobile Park. He just kills the ball at T-Mobile Park. That was Terry Smith, Angels Radio, AM 830. Angels 4 to nothing over Seattle on Sunday. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase, Vivid Seats rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. And what a day on Sunday
2: for a Pittsburgh Pirate rookie, Jack Sawinski. And there's a fly ball by Sawinski to right and deep toward the Clemente wall and clear the deck with a cannonball from Jack Sawinski. A jack-jack. It's his ninth and it's tied at two in the fourth. A uh, high fly ball to right center field. Going back is Yastrzemski to the wall, and it's gone. A two-homer game for the rookie Jack Sawinski to give the Pirates a 3-2 lead. The pitch, Sawinski a fly ball to right field. There's no way. This is not going out of here. It's gone. <laughs> You're kidding me. Jack Sawinski is the hero on Father's Day. Tim Sawinski, your kid, just hit his third home run and has walked it off and raises the Jolly Roger and leaps on the home plate and is mobbed by his teammates in an unforgettable Father's Day in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, and Sarah Langs has a great note coming up about uh, his three homer day. That sound from Sports Radio 93.7 the fan. The Yankees and the Blue Jays played an incredible game on Sunday. Yankees, of course, having this amazing season, and Josh Donaldson gave him a lead in the top of the third inning.
2: High fly ball. Left center. Going back, Goriel looking up. See ya! A two-run home run for Donaldson, and the Yankees lead 3-2. That
1: was Michael K. on the Yes Network. The Yankees added to
2: that lead in the top of the sixth. There's not much going wrong in Yankee land these days. That's driven the other way. Does it have the length? Oh, yeah. Gonzalez goes the other way. Back to back home runs by the Yankees, and they lead 8 3.
1: But you know what? The Blue Jays would come back. The 2
2: 2. Gurriel swings and drives it. Deep left field. Grand slam, Gurriel! Blue Jays are right back in this baby. Career Grand Slam number five for Lourdes Goriel Jr. And just like that we've
1: got a one run game. That from Sportsnet 590 the fan they got close in the bottom of the six and in the bottom of the seventh they took the lead. 2-1. Hernandez
2: scalds it in the air out to deep center field. Judge back at the wall and the Blue Jays have the lead. Oscar Hernandez comes through in the clutch with a go-ahead three-run home run. The Blue Jays were left for dead. They have come all the way back and have a 10-8 lead in the seventh.
1: And after the Blue Jays' 10-9 victory, Yankees manager Aaron Boone was answering questions about his pitching. That's going to happen. It's a really
3: good offense over there, obviously. Um, you know, they had a couple big swings. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, just just obviously big swings with with you know a grand slam and a three run homer that obviously really hurt us. You know, I, I thought Castro got ahead of Chapman first two pitches looked like strikes right there and and uh, you know ahead of the Gurriel homer somehow don't get those, so that's you know, that's a little frustrating. But credit to Guriel. You know, he, he worked up in a bat, got to two strikes and and didn't miss his pitch, and then thought Tay hey, Oscar put a good at bat on Wandy. Now before the
1: Mets game against the Marlins on Monday afternoon they promoted Dominic Smith back from Triple A Syracuse after he had spent three weeks in the minor leagues. And over the weekend we got word that the Brewers designated outfielder Lorenzo Kane, thirty-six years old. For assignments this appears to be the end of a 13 major league uh, year career uh it also happened on the day when he got his exactly 10 years of service time in the majors here was Lorenzo Kane after that announcement
0: yeah I mean the, the kid that you know from Madison County that showed up and um, you know didn't have a, a glove or a bad cleats any of that you know I kind of had to borrow everything uh from the very beginning and um to say that I've, you know, played 10 plus years in the show, you know, I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more. So uh, it's been a great ride for me, fun ride. Um, I put a lot of work in, um, just put this body through a lot over the years. So uh, at the same time, I I think it's, the body is definitely ready to rest a little bit for sure. Well, I don't know if I ever got to ask you this. What was your first day at baseball practice like? Do you remember? Oh, it? Um, yeah, I ended up. I had a collar shirt on, some jean shorts, and, uh, <laughs> and I think some basketball shoes back then. That was my very first practice I showed up to. Like I said, I didn't have any cleats, glove, or anything. I borrowed everything, uh, from the very beginning. And, um, I've, I've had great people in my life to kind of push me, uh, who's helped me out a lot through, from my high school days all the way up to now. So, um, I've definitely been very fortunate. Uh, been blessed to play as long as I did. And um, like I said, if, it, if it's the end, you know, can't really be, be upset about anything.
1: Lorenzo Cain, a core piece of that Kansas City Royals team that won the World Series in 2015 and a great teammate. We'll be talking with Tim Kirkchin about
4: him. What else you got, Taylor? Buster, we're about to talk to Tim Kirkshen, but if you are listening to this and you listen to that segment, you're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to see their beautiful faces on camera. Well, you can do that. If you go over to the ESPN YouTube page after we record this episode and put it out there sometime in the evening, late afternoon, that segment will drop on the YouTube page. You guys can watch them wave their arms around in excitement about baseball. It's good stuff. Also recording a new episode of SV pod this evening. That'll drop Tuesday morning. They'll be talking NBA finals, Stanley Cup and US Open. That is Stanford Steve and Scott Van Pelt on SVPod. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com Buster. Just go to indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package.
2: Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On
0: baseball tonight.
1: Tim Kirchner covers baseball for ESPN, which means Tim, over the last 13 years, you've gotten a chance to talk to Lorenzo Cain, one of the great pros of his generation, part of that uh, Royals championship team in 2015. What, uh, What are some memories about Lorenzo Cain?
5: Well, he's certainly one of my favorite players I ever covered. I'm not sure I didn't see him without a smile on his face, but this is the story that he told me, so it's not apocryphal even though it sounds. In, you know, in junior high high school, he was a great athlete. He wasn't a baseball player. So, the high school baseball coach told him, like, you're the best athlete in the school. You should come out for baseball. So, Lorenzo said, Well, I've never played. He's like in the ninth, 10th grade. So, the coach gives him a glove and says, Go on out and just see what you can do with this. And he gave him a left hander's glove. And Lorenzo Kane, after a few minutes, had to go to the high school coach and say, I don't think I'm left-handed. I don't think I throw a baseball with my left hand. Can we try with the other glove? And he ended up being one of the best defensive center fielders of his time. Just another reminder that this is the most difficult game to play, in my opinion, but for him, to play as well as he did, having not really played the game until the 10th grade. And the coach wasn't even sure if he was right-handed or left-handed, and then became this good. Uh, it's a real tribute to the athletic ability of, and the desire, of Lorenzo Kane. So I'm sure you've heard the same thing in, in the last couple of years, as they've
1: had this conversation about reducing the rounds of the draft, where people at the team level have been saying, what are we doing? Like why are we reducing the rounds of the draft? Look at these guys who maybe didn't play a lot of baseball when they were teenagers and then, you know, picked it up later in life and the, the you know, those guys were not going to be able to find them. Lorenzo Cain was a 17th round pick by the Brewers in 2004. Kevin Kiermaier was a late round pick. Those guys became some of the best center fielders. Uh, Lorenzo Cain has been mentioned to me a half dozen times Tim, in the last couple of years as a cautionary tale for baseball, why it shouldn't reduce the draft. I'm
5: guessing for you as well. I totally agree. Kenny Rogers, a little off topic here, was 135 pound left-handed shortstop outfielder when the Rangers said, this kid's got a great arm. So they drafted him as the pitcher and that first spring training, they put him on the mound and they said, all right, we want you to go from the stretch. And he goes, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. He didn't even know how to pitch out of the stretch and ended up, ironically, having one of the great pickoff moves we've ever seen. This is why we need as many rounds as we can, because there's a diamond in there somewhere, even though he might not be that guy precisely coming out of high school. So my ears perked up when you told that story. Kenny Rogers played shortstop, a left-handed shortstop. Yes, I know the guy who signed him. I know the guys who who scouted him. And when they brought him to camp, they uh, they said, "All right, let's see what you got on the mound because we think you can be pretty good." He won like 200 major league games. Incredible. All right, over the weekend we had a
1: ton of injuries to superstar players, and so Tim, you know, I always like to do this with you. Uh, put you on a scale of one to ten in terms of your level of concern. Uh, how big of a deal is this particular injury? So I'm gonna run through the names of players. First off, we'll start out Manny Machado going down in a heap after he hit first base awkwardly on Sunday. Scale of one to 10,
5: how big of a deal is this for you? Uh, It's a nine. Anyone who's ever rolled his ankle like that, first off, can't even watch the replay because it's too painful if you've ever done that. And on my tiny little level, I did both ankles so badly. It, he's going to be out a month, uh, maybe more than that. And he's had an MVP caliber season. They are not a good offensive team, and he is by far their best offensive player. And you take him out of the lineup for a month and then ask him to come back on a what's going to be a gimpy ankle, I'm sure, after, say, a month, that's not going to be easy to do, especially when you're trying to play third base in the major leagues. Yeah, part of uh, part of me was bummed out,
1: Tim, for Manny because I feel like this is someone who has evolved, you know, as a player and as a person uh, in the big leagues. And having an injury like this where he's going to be out this long probably is going to wind up costing him a shot at the MVP, yes?
5: Yeah, I think so, especially when there are other guys out there, Paul Goldschmidt included, who are having sensational years. And the way you win the MVP is you play all the games, or as many as possible, and if Manny Ramirez is going to lose 30 games, which I hope he doesn't, that's really going to affect his MVP candidacy. Mookie Betts went on
1: the injured list over the weekend with a cracked rib. Uh, It's believed to have happened in a collision he had with Cody Bellinger last week. Betts told reporters that he thinks that
5: he's going to miss just a couple of weeks. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how big of a deal is this? All right, I've got it as a 7, not to underestimate a rib injury. Anyone who's ever broken a rib, and again, on my tiny level, I did that. And, oh, my gosh, when I would, when I would sneeze, it would hurt like I couldn't believe so you know and remember all the trouble that Mookie had last year with that hip injury one of the Dodgers whispered to me recently nobody knows how badly he was hurt last year and it affected his play in every way so Mookie's not going to be the kind of guy who's going to say, this is really bothering me. I just hope he rested and comes back because he's so athletic. He's so great and they need to get him healthy. So I got him on as a seven because they have other offensive options, but he's their best player, period. So uh,
1: I think, you know, at the time that they signed Freddie Freeman, there were stories about whether or not the Dodgers might have the greatest offense ever. I, I always thought that that, all was very overstated. I am convinced now, Tim, that you know the Dodgers might win the National League West this year. They might go into the postseason, the favorite to come out of the National League. But this year, I think it's almost assuredly going to be an absolute grind for them, given how improved the Padres are. Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. And inevitably, I think the Giants
5: will make a run. What about you? Yeah, look, I saw the Dodgers, too, and I think they're going to the playoffs, and I think they'll be really good in October, but I never bought greatest lineup of all time. The 39 Yankees outscored their opponents by 411 runs outscored them by 411 runs. And, you know, those those Mariner teams, at least one year with the Mariners, the Indians in the late 90s, come on, big red machine. I love the Dodger lineup. I think it'll be devastating by the end of the year, but it's not the greatest lineup I've ever seen. And we've seen that now with Max Muncy's struggles, injury to Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman's got six homers, pretty hard game to play, and it's hard to score a 1,000 runs today. They're not going to do when you're facing this kind of pitching. The Angels announced the other day that Anthony Rendon went
1: on the injured list to have season ending wrist surgery, uh, a scale of 1 to 10. I think it's obvious, a so 10, right, for the Angels to lose Anthony Rendon given the contract that he signed.
5: Yes, and just go look at the at the numbers for Anthony Rendon since he signed with the Angels. Oh, my gosh. And how much money he's got left. And let's not forget how good a player that guy is. They'll all tell you on that 2019 Nationals, he was the guy in the middle of the order that everyone was – He and Soto, of course, that everyone was most afraid of. And Buster, you start messing with a hitter's wrist, and we know his hands are as good as there are in the game. And You start messing with a hitter's wrist and hands, that's a really bad sign. And the Angels took off this year in that little spurt when they got Anthony Rendon healthy and he was hitting. I just don't know how they make up for this. Guardian third baseman Jose Ramirez was not in a lineup over the weekend because of
1: a sore thumb. Scale of 1 to 10, how serious an injury in your eyes is this?
5: Well, I'm going to only go to a, a 5 on this because I think he's going to be okay, but I repeat... You start messing with a hitter's hands, his fingers, and people say, oh, it can't hurt that much. Well, any foul ball, any swing or miss, any ball off the end of the bat just aggravates that. I hate to hear any hitter having hand, wrist, finger injuries. And he's arguably been the best player in the league, maybe other than Aaron Judge this year. And the Guardians are starting to roll here and really starting to pitch well. Really bad time for an injury to a great player.
1: I think I would go a tick higher than you mentioned in terms of level of concern, uh, Tim. Only because, like the, the the Guardians can't win without this guy, right? I, I mean, as great as Aaron Judge is, there's enough support on the Yankee team. I mean, look, it reflects the difference in payroll between the two teams. Like the Yankees could still make the playoffs if Jose Ramirez isn't healthy. If this is something that lingers for whatever reason, it's they're a completely different team.
5: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that, Buster. I'm just praying, hoping that a thumb injury is something that he can come back from quicker. If he's out a month, they're in a huge amount of trouble. Okay. On Saturday, Jordan Alvarez left the Astros game. Uh, no
1: one was quite sure why because the Astros didn't tell people. Well, the concern within the Astros organization was that he had suffered a broken hamate. And Dusty Baker told us before the game on Sunday... I was trying to figure out how I was going to replace this guy in the middle of my lineup. Uh, they got word back that it was not a broken handmade. It's a, some kind of a hand injury that they don't think is serious. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, where do you put this one?
5: Well, I'm going to put this as a 6, and I'm going to put it that high because this guy is a is a great hitter and was a great hitter as a rookie and has been a great hitter every healthy season since. But they have a nine-and-a-half game lead. The fact that it's not a ham eight is probably good news. I'm going to say it for the third time on this podcast. I worry tremendously when you start messing with a good hitter's hands. They those things don't go away anytime soon. So I'm going to put it at a 6 because they have such a lead they can wait till he gets back and when he gets back if he's healthy he's going to rake cuz that guy is a tremendous hitter.
1: Alex Entrone, the great hitting coach for the Astros told me before the game yesterday that he really thinks uh, right now, uh, considering what, uh, what Alvarez has done, I think hitting 396 with 25 RBI in his last 25 games, he thinks he's the best hitter in baseball right now in terms of quality. Uh, and, and he's not, uh, talking about, uh, he's speaking about it as if it's something that can change. Uh, I mean, obviously Juan Soto, Mike Trout, up and down, but he thinks that the Jordan Alvarez we've seen the last month the best hitter in baseball. So they're hopeful that he's going to be back in the lineup soon. An incredibly important player. So Tim, I I, I thought of you yesterday uh, when I heard about this because I you know you know baseball history and you know the long history between Dusty Baker and Tony Larusa. Generally speaking, would you agree that at best? Their relationship over the last 30 years, you could uh, say it's tense.
5: I would say that, but I'm going to interrupt here, Buster. I know when Buck Showalter was out there um, as a non-manager last year, Tony La Russa called him and said, we need you back in the game. And he had spoken, as far as I know, with Dusty Baker about that exact topic that maybe we're starting to see people recognizing the value of, you know, experience and age and all that. So I think it's a little better relationship than you think. And I know this is true. Tony told me once that he couldn't get through to a player. Tony gets through to every player. This is in Tony's prime as a manager, but he, I I don't know. The player was, it's not important. He couldn't get through to him and he called Dusty Baker on the phone who's managing another team at the time and says, what do I have to do to get through to this guy? What would you do to get through to this guy? So that implies they have a slightly better relationship than you think they have. I'm not saying it's warm and fuzzy all the time, but they're part of the group that's trying to bring experience back. And they've had a couple of private conversations that I think suggest that Tony LaRusa has Tremendous respect for for Dusty Baker and vice versa. So for years, as you know, uh, especially when they were
1: managing the same division, Dusty with the Cubs and then the Cincinnati Reds and then Tony with the Cardinals, all kinds of stuff about uh, knockdown pitches and hit batsmen, uh, on-field incidents between their teams, a lot of yelling back and forth on the field, these guys going nose to nose. Yesterday, Tim, before the game, I asked Dusty about sort of, okay, where's your relationship with Tony now? And and first off, I hadn't heard this. In 1972, Tony and Dusty were both in the Atlanta Braves organization, and Dusty was sent to the minor leagues, uh, and the guy who took that spot on the major league roster was Tony LaRussa. I didn't know that. Uh, And then, you know, fast forward, as you mentioned, Dusty played for uh, Tony at the end of his career, and Tony said that uh, he heard the next spring that Dusty was going to end his career, and he goes, you know what, shoot, I wish I had known that because I would have loved to have him on my coaching staff. Well, then they had those many tense years between them. Well, Bob Welch was a teammate of Dusty Baker with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Uh, and of course he played for Tony with the Oakland Athletics. He passed away in recent years and uh, a mutual friend went up to Dusty and said, look, I think Tony wants to talk to you to try to patch this thing up between you. And they actually wound up talking when they were standing side by side at urinals. And he said, that's when the conversation began. And then after the Astros beat the White Sox in the playoffs last year, Tony wrote Dusty a letter that was very complimentary. Dusty didn't know quite how to take it. And he acknowledged to us, Tim, that his wife cajoled him and said, look, this guy's trying to make an effort to reach out to you after all these issues you've had between you through the years. And so Dusty picked up the phone and called Tony LaRussa, and the relationship continues to thaw. Knowing both men, tell me what you think when you hear those stories. We heard that from both Dusty and Tony yesterday.
5: Yeah, well, that, that's really good to hear. But And let's not forget Uh, Buster, how wildly competitive both those guys are. Okay, Tony LaRusso, my goodness, I've been talking to him for almost 40 years. You ask him the same question every time, how you doing? And he says, I'll tell you in three and a half hours, because all that matters is, did we win the game or not? Dusty is equally competitive. He hates to lose. You throw at Tony's guys and he becomes a completely different person. You mess with Dusty's players, he becomes a completely different person. And I kind of of enjoy that they go at each other during a game because they're supporting their own guys. And that's what a manager is supposed to do. So as we finish up our conversation with Tony on Sunday,
1: he said, Dusty Baker it should be in the Hall of Fame. And there will be a time when he will make a speech, and you'll agree with me, it'll be the most interesting speech in the history of Hall of Fame speeches when Dusty gets up there because of everybody he knows and everybody he's seen. Right? We'll,
5: yeah, we'll be talking about wine and solar power and food and Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix, Hendrix and, and Satomaru <laughs> it, it, and Hank Aaron and Rico Cardi. I have a hundred Dusty stories and they're all good, and he just volunteered Tears. Okay. A couple more things for you.
1: The Nationals retired Ryan Zimmerman, uh, his number 11. Uh, I know, you know,
5: Ryan Zimmerman. Well, what do you think about that? I'm hundred percent behind it. It had to be done. Um, let's not forget Buster. I was, well, I was living here at the time. i still live here. He comes up as a 20 year old and they threw him in the middle of the lineup and said, Uh, you're going to hit third. We know you just got here, but you're going to hit third and you're also going to be the leader of the team. And the team was terrible. And they had, I'm sorry, I don't say this very often. They had a bunch of bad teammates on that team. And Ryan Zimmerman went, took a shower once as a very young man came out of the clubhouse and asked me a question. This hasn't happened since he said, can I ask you something? I said, well, sure. He goes, aren't you supposed to really care about winning and losing? Because I just got out of the shower and we lost another game. And I'm not sure anybody in there really cared about whether we won or lost. And it infuriated him. And ever since then, from that day on, he has made sure everyone on his team, the Nationals, recognizes the difference between winning and losing. So to put all that pressure and ask him to do everything that he did over the years and add on you're the leader of the team when you first arrived that that's not fair it wasn't right and he still took care of it and i believe i believe Buster he had 9 walk-off homers in his career that's pretty hard to do including a home run that opened nationals park he had a walk-off homer to open in the in the inaugural game at nationals park that kind of speaks to what kind of clutch hitter he was Lastly, uh,
1: during the course of the Sunday night game, we had a really fun moment after J.J. Maticevic uh, hit his first career home run. A 16-year-old, Ryland Freeman, uh, tracked down a baseball. for that. That It was the first career home run. This is what it sounded like subsequently as he talked with rain, or, uh, Astros officials about turning over the baseball.
3: Negotiations are on. There we go. Uh-oh, he gave it oh, up. I love it. Oh, man. Of course. I love it. Of course. But what was the cost and what was the first offer and what was the end result?
1: So, Matt, here in the Crawford Boxes, Ryland Freeman. Yes, sir. Okay?
3: (laughs) Yes, sir. Caught a
1: first home run. (laughs) I did. Tell me about your negotiation strategy.
6: So much. And he walked over, the manager uh, for the Astros walked over and said, what do y'all want? And I really wanted a JV jersey, a signed jersey by JV. I wanted it so bad, but they said we couldn't get it. And they, we worked out some stuff, and they said we can get it. Six, six,
1: all
3: right, so we <laughs>
1: Back and forth of the negotiations. Tell me about the counter that you came back with on their first offer.
6: And she said we don't have JV. I asked, well, my next favorite player is Yuli Guriel because I'm a big first baseman. I love first base. And I said, can I please get Yuli's jersey or bat? And they said, "Nope, we can't do that for you either. So... Jose Altuve, let's get his ball. Let's go come watch some more Astros games. Let's do it. Okay, how cool was this moment? One of the best experiences of my life. I love it so much. I love the game. I love the sport, whatever. It's Baseball's amazing. How much advice? whole thing. He's a big negotiator himself. Love him so much. <laughs> yes, sir.
3: <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Carl, back to you. Yeah, we got really, we got the gist of it. So, the Astros. <laughs> I love what he was thinking. no. Gurriel, no.
4: Jerseys are out of out of bounds or, here.
3: Look, I'm JV right now, Justin Verlander. I make that happen for him when he comes to the field. Of course. Make that happen. This ball's up. That was his first thought. Justin Verlander autographed Jersey. If he finds out, he makes it happen. Oh, he's gonna be right next to Yuli Guriel during batting practice
7: yeah
3: i think there's i think there's room for more <laughs> negotiating how about no right oh, nope can't, can't do that <laughs> but i will say this though that was great for him to say i love everything about the game i mean you yes. can't ask for a better promotion for the sport from a young kid like that i love first base i love baseball love everything about the game there goes buster he got a chance to sit here and talk with buster only And and, and dad, in his eyes, just grew. Like he just got bigger and better helping negotiate that.
0: The kid's got a London baseball shirt. Buster
3: left his notes. I know. Maybe his younger brother will negotiate now. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we got
1: some breaking news. Rylan Freeman, of course, caught that uh, home run ball and negotiated with the Astros. The first thing he asked for was a signed Justin Verlander jersey. Well, that is
3: being sent to him. Justin signing a jersey and sending it along. Oh, that's that's, nice. that's so great, Buster. You should go out and tell him that. Like we need to see that reaction. Oh, Ryan! Ryan has taken off. Ryland. And I got to take my tank of oxygen before I do that. <laughs> We, you we gotta get a bat? Yes. The deals were. Here's the deal. Okay. Ryland Freeman gets six tickets to okay. a game, six batting practice access tickets. So he's on the field with five of his friends. Okay, that's 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 good. That's huge, because that we need more. That can and a Jose Altuve signed baseball. And what else? That's good. What else? Do we have a jersey? Do we have a bat? I th- Here's where I'm going. I think if I'm on the field with five of them, that's where I start another negotiation. Absolutely. That was the family that received the baseball and will now receive a Justin Verlander signed
5: jersey to go with the six tickets. So what do you think, Tim? Good negotiation by the 16-year-old? I, I think it was great, and I love it. This is what we should be doing. We're trying to get more... Young people interested in the game. And when something like this happens, we need to throw everything we can at those people and get them involved. That kid will never forget that day for the rest of his life. He will be an Astros fan, a Verlander fan, an Altuve fan, a fan of everyone for the rest of his life. This is great. We need to do more of this. And sorry, if I if I'm a if I'm the kid. I give the ball because it, you have to acknowledge it's way more important to the guy who hit the home run rather than me. But if you get something in return, all good. I knew you
1: would love it, Tim. All right. Uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Buster.
5: Talk to you soon.
1: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus. Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, Surprise seat upgrades and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.
0: This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs.
1: Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com, who at the moment is standing in a stairwell at City Field so we can tape her segment this week, Sarah. Thanks for doing that.
7: Of course. Thank you for having me. Hey, anything to the podcast. If there's one thing I've learned in all these years, we have to knock this out on Monday.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a special some sort of version of a, of a, 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 a you know baggage claim Monday because I'm sitting in a parking lot at an airport taping with you and you're at city field. I'd rather be at City field that's for sure. Uh, before we move forward with your notes, uh, I wanted to ask you when you're at City field or any ballpark, what's your go-to food?
7: Oh wow. you know okay, so I'm vegetarian. I don't know if that's come up before I'm here. So, obviously, my go-tos are a little bit different, but I'm a big nachos person. I think they're usually the best thing for Buck at, like, almost any ballpark, and uh, certainly here, a big fan of the nachos.
1: Nice. When you were a kid, well, I'm guessing you probably didn't become a vegetarian till you were older. When you were a kid, what did you like to get?
7: Um, You know, usually fries. I definitely have my fair share of hot dogs and always the ice cream. I mean... Ice cream for a kid at a baseball game. I feel like that's the perfect day. All
1: right. Let's play the numbers game. Number three.
7: Number three is one. So, speaking of youngsters, Jack Sawinski of the Pirates yesterday had a crazy game, hitting three home runs against the Giants, including the walk-off home runs. And listen to this. He became the first rookie in MLB history to hit three homers in the game, culminating in that walk-off home run. Think of all the guys who have been great as rookies hitting home runs. I mean, Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge certainly come to mind in New York. Nobody had done that as rookie until Jack Sawinski on Sunday.
4: Well, wow. Number two.
7: Number two is eight. So Sandy Alcantara had another great start on Sunday. And something that stands out to me with him is that he goes deep into games in a way that we really haven't seen in a while. You know, this is vintage Max Scherzer playing first off Chris Sale, and now he's doing it too. So he's gone seven innings and allowed two two runs or fewer, and eight straight starts. That is the longest such streak in a single season. Since Felix Hernandez did it in 16 straight in 2014, he's thrown 63 in two-thirds innings in a last eight start. No pitcher has done that since 2016.
4: Number one.
7: Number one is two. So, and Encarnacion and Buddy Kennedy each hit a grand slam for their first career home runs on Sunday. It was the second time in MLB history that two players each did that on the same day, hit a grand slam for their first career home runs. The other time was April 20, 1921, with George Uley and Ralph Miller. And it's pretty crazy. You think of all the home runs, especially in the last 20 years or so, nobody had done that ever other than 1921 and yesterday.
1: Yeah, I'm going to call the Marlins sometime this week and start to get some background on uh, what their philosophy is about young pitchers throwing a lot of innings because that's uh that's certainly what we're seeing with that group. Sarah, before you go, uh, how good of a day do you think that Ryland Freeman is having today after his epic night at Minute Maid Park last night with all the stuff and all the pub he got?
7: Oh, my goodness. So before we came on, I was chatting with Producer Taylor about what you did for that kid on Sunday Baseball yesterday. All of those gifts, everything he got in exchange for J.J. Matajevic's first grade home run. I thought that was incredible. I thought ESPN and Sunday Baseball is really why that happened for him. That happens on a locally broadcast game. I'm not sure he gets all of that leverage, but with you there, interviewing him, talking to him, ending up with that Verlander jersey at the end. I mean, that was incredible. And imagine walking into school on that Monday. I assume school isn't out yet. And everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, I saw you. You went viral. I mean, that's absolutely incredible.
5: And I got to say,
1: the, the kid was so great. Like Rylan was a nice kid, 16 years old. His brother Weston was there. His dad was there having a great Father's Day. It was a really fun family. So it's uh, cool things. I, you know, Sarah, I always get asked, you know, who do you root for? And I say, you know, I just root for good games and I root for uh, and good stories. And I root for good stuff to happen to good people. And that was one of those nights for sure.
7: Absolutely. I mean, it was incredible. And one of the things he said to you that I really love is he said, I love baseball. I mean, I just think it's so great to hear a young kid, a young person on national TV saying, Hey, I love this game. I mean, I had my hand over my heart. Like, oh my goodness, that is perfect as he was saying that. So it's just so great to hear. And I agree with you, you know we root for good stories and sometimes they're not on the field sometimes they're in the stands it was incredible and again so many props to you for really orchestrating so much of that
1: well I think you give me way too much credit here, but I appreciate it uh, have, have a lot of fun today at the game and uh, get some nachos I'll, I'll pick up your tab
7: <laughs> thank you so much have a good one and thank you so much for having me
1: After the game, J.J. Maticevic spoke with Nicole Briscoe on SportsCenter.
8: So your first at-bat results in your hitting coach getting tossed. Your second at-bat is the home run. So when you look back on this game, how are you going to remember it?
6: Uh, first off, I want to say happy father 's day to my dad I uh, love you and miss you but um, you know this, this today is just something i 'll never forget um, you know it' was a special moment for me um, you know i'll never forget it. it's not it 's not just for me but it's for it's for my family my friends my fiance you know everyone who's you know dedicated um, their, uh, their whole lives to believing in me and supporting me and loving me, you know. Just know I'll never, uh, I'm forever grateful of you and I appreciate you forever.
8: As you're rounding the bases after you hit that home run, what are you thinking about?
6: I, honestly, I wasn't thinking about much. I was t- trying to take it all in. I uh, looked around the stadium. I Around a second, I looked up and, you know, just taking it all in. You know, um, I, never re- I dreamed of this, um, and for it to happen is a special moment.
8: The Astros did some digging, and they found out that your dad had just come off. He's a firefighter. Your dad had just come off a 24-hour shift got home just in time, got the game on, and he saw the home run. Have you talked to your dad yet?
6: I haven't yet. I haven't been inside yet, um, but I can't wait to. I can't wait to talk to everybody. Um, So I haven't talked to him yet, but I'm sure he's smiling back home, and I can't wait to talk to him after this.
8: I would guarantee he's smiling and jumping and doing all the things that a proud dad (laughs) would do. Okay, so I'm I'm not sure. Like, How aware are you of the negotiations that happened during the game to, to get that home run ball back?
6: Um, I heard a little bit about it. Um, I haven't really, and I haven't really heard the full story yet. though. Okay,
8: so a young man named Ryland Freeland, uh, Ryland Freeman caught caught your home run ball. The team now has it back for you. So I want you to put yourself in Ryland's position. You caught someone else's home run ball, their first home run. What is that ball worth? Like, what are you gonna get out of it in order to return it back to the player?
6: Uh, I mean, a bat. I would always, if I was the fan, I would want a bat. And uh, Ryland, if you if you want a bat, I'll have a bat sign for you whenever you want it.
8: Oh, okay. We're gonna get that done. Just so you know, he got six tickets to an upcoming game. He also got on-field access for batting practice. He had oh, wow. asked for a Justin Verlander jersey, and the team said no to that. But I think after um, some social media backlash, he did get that. He also got a Jose Otuve signed ball. So go ahead, and throw wow. in that bat. But you know what, Ryland, Ryland, what do you think of his negotiating skills?
6: <laughs> he's the best negotiator ever, I've ever heard in my life <laughs> I would have just settled for a, a signed baseball bat but six tickets and two jerseys that's
8: awesome See, so now he's going to go down to batting practice He's going to bring like another bat and he's going to hit you guys all up for, for more autographs awesome. alright one last question before we're going to let you run off and talk to dad where does that ball go when you get it back
6: you know where it goes It's it goes to him it's, uh, it's on father's day you know it's a special moment and uh, it's going to go right to him um and um, I'm just so happy that I was able to do that today.
2: Bleacher Tweets.
4: All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. P.K. Steinberg's up first. He writes in, Do you think players miss Tall's Hill at the Houston Ballpark? Is that the weirdest part of the playing field obstacle you can think of?
1: Yeah. So that's Towels Hill. Towels, excuse me. Towelsmith. Smith. It was part of the design they had on center field. I think it's the weirdest design part of a ballpark. In other words, this this wasn't something that was like there in 1900 and is still there later on. You know, like Wrigley Field, the the mounds uh, for years that were in foul territory. This was something they designed to have in the park. I I miss it. I enjoyed it. I, you know, had uh, covered Randy Smith, who was Tal's son, and had gotten to know Tal a little bit through the years. Uh, And I kind of bummed it's not there, but I also understand why they took it out because players thought that it was dangerous.
4: Josh Schmidt at Chivalry Undead, writes in the Yankees, are 49-17. and They have 96 games remaining. If they played 500 baseball for the rest of the year, they would finish 97-65. and Is the AL East race over?
1: Yeah, so about three and a half weeks ago, I declared the NL East race over, mm-hmm. and then the Braves won like a million straight games. <laughs> so I think I, I used up my one mulligan on declaring races over uh, off the record. Yeah, I think it probably is over.
4: <laughs> Good to say out of that business. Way to go off the record, Andrew Candle. <laughs> Real camp true. Hey, Buster, a wild ending to the Yankees Blue James Blue Jays game Sunday kind of overshadowed another fantastic offensive performance by Gleyber Torres. He currently leads the AL leads all AL second baseman home runs slugging percentage is he quietly inserting himself into the all-star game
1: yeah and by the way he's also among the leaders at that position in baseball for defensive run saves so all the way around he's a better player now that he's moved from shortstop to second base uh i i think he struggled so much the last couple of years i wonder if it'll take people some time to sort of process the fact that he has gotten better and i i you know, the Yankees have a lot of other players who probably are going to be ahead of him in terms of making the all-star team.
4: Jay Sosa at Sosa 9 writes in Buster, wondering if Ryland Freeman's little brother from the Sunday night baseball game in Houston tried to negotiate as well for your paper notes. Such a cool <laughs> Father's Day story.
1: Yeah, so Jay must have been in the stands when that happened. So I left doing that interview, Taylor. And, and I got uh, up the stairs from the Crawford boxes and all of a sudden I heard somebody yelling for
4: me. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Uh, and it was I had left my notepad there. And here came Weston right behind. <laughs> hey, you know, who is his little brother? I'm guessing is about 11 years old. Uh-huh. And so he brought those to me. No, there were no negotiations. He was gracious to return my notepad.
4: <laughs> Very nice. Andrew DeSalvo at DeSalvotion Ocean writes in, What is going on with Juan Soto this season? Nearly 250 at bats is no longer a small sample. This is just poor performance now.
1: I got to wonder, and I'm not around the team on a daily basis, if this might be a case of a player on a, a great player on a bad team, uh, maybe getting a little bored and maybe mm-hmm. not getting the same sort of pitches. I've seen it happen before. I say that as an observation, not as a judgment on him. I, I think it's not uncommon to see great players frustrated when they're in a losing situation.
4: He did uh, get an upper Decker dinger yesterday. So that was exciting for Nationals fans. Steve Banton at SBanton16 writes in, Hey, Buster, I heard umpires get a two-inch perimeter of the home plate where if they're wrong, it won't count against their evaluation. Is that true? They did away with the neighborhood play at second, but it's okay for the umpire to be close rather than right?
1: I didn't hear that it was specifically a two inch perimeter, but I do hear there's a buffer zone. And I asked someone, what's the average score for a, a major league umpire grade for a game that you work behind no plate? The average grade, Taylor. And you and I really wish we'd gone to this school. Ninety seven and a half.
4: Ooh, wow. I'm sensing a little bit of a curve there, but a
1: little bit of a
4: curve. I don't want to be too conspiratorial here. Uh, I am Jared's Live Journal. Shout out Live Journal at Mr. J. Timmons writes and Hey, Buster, this is probably reading into things. But Trout was sporting a Mohawk haircut during his personal home run derby in Seattle. Do you think that's a gesture toward former manager Joe Madden who got fired with a Mohawk? We didn't talk about on the podcast, but that is something interesting.
1: Yeah. So I uh, checked on this with a really, really, really good source. Mm. And yes, that is the normal haircut that Mike Trout has always had.
4: Glad we cleared that up. Elizabeth Hart at eHart Tweets writes in, we're already seeing pitchers having problems hearing pitch comm in big situations. What do they plan to do about it in the postseason?
1: Yeah, Elizabeth, they need to get that worked out because uh, you're, you're right. We're seeing in latter stadiums it being an issue, um, you know, and hopefully during the course of the year, pitchers will deal with that, uh, you know, the whole thing with the volume before they get into the postseason.
4: Last one for today, Richard Kelsey at that Chester kid. As a Dodgers fan, the Craig Kimbrell experience equals Kenley experience, but with way more blown saves, high stress, uneasiness, always traffic on the bases. Can't help but wonder if that half season in Chicago was a sign of the downhill for Kimbrell.
1: Yeah, Kimbrell's got enough saves that he's going to be in consideration for the Hall of Fame. I was surprised when the Dodgers devoted that position to him when they made that deal, and we talked about it in the podcast at
4: the time. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games. Thanks for writing in, everyone.
1: That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a -A Foxalonard moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. Nexgard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders, dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.